It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, August 3rd. Uh, the LA Galaxy, guess what? Still out of the tournament. That's not a surprise, but uh, some surprise final four teams um, are still in the tournament. We're going to talk just a little bit about the tournament, whether it was successful, uh, the teams that are succeeding, uh, and maybe what we can learn about that. And then, of course, uh, some possibility of MLS resuming. We've talked about it before. We'll have uh, a little bit more on some of the details that we have, including the regular season that could be happening here after the end of this tournament. Um, season ticket renewals will, of course, be on this docket today. And then there are some rumors about, surprise, surprise, another Argentine uh, who could be coming to the LA Galaxy. To help me do all that, it's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? I'm in the second week, starting the second week of my post-Orlando quarantine. And uh, it's great because why do I really want to go out when it's 111,000 degrees outside? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little warm. I don't... So the weird thing is by the coast, I'm sort of in this in-between where if you're, you know, if you live on the water, the hottest you're really ever going to get is about 78 degrees, right? It's one of those things like, oh, look, if you're right on the water, well, so I'm obviously I don't live that close to the water, but I live sort of in the in-between. So that means that it can be up to 85, 86, 87 where I live. Or it could be that it says it's going to be 85, 86, and then the wind kicks up just a little bit. Instead, it's 74. And so we had all the air conditioners ready to rock and roll. And it's been pretty much a steady, uh, steady breeze from the ocean for, for the last three or four days. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. You said you don't have any air conditioning. That's I don't. I bought you the fan. Well, so we, we bought portable air conditioners for this place because, oh, okay. you know, the one, the eight month old, of course, has to have a temperature range that like varies not more than four degrees or something like that. I don't know. I think the, the kid's already spoiled. Um, I don't have one in my room. I would just like to point that out. There's one in the living room. Um, so we've sort of got that. And by the way, there is one possibility of being in the podcasting room, um, except it would make too much noise so that's never going to happen either so 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 basically what you're saying is the panda was right when he said you can't live in southern california without air conditioning no matter how close to the water you are when the panda panda knows temperatures okay the panda knows temperatures yes so i was right i mean but did anybody really argue about it i mean i knew i was moving into a place without air conditioning i knew there would be certain days out of the year where it would not be doable so we therefore budgeted for the portable air conditioners, knowing that that was coming. Um, we just didn't have to do it last year. The fans, by the way, worked about 90% of the time. So, you, you know, let me tell you something about air conditioning. I bought a car once years and years ago, and uh, I didn't have any money. So I got one without air conditioning. And the, the dealer was saying, look, you can't be in Southern California without air conditioning. You have to have it. And you know what? It really didn't bother me that much. Yeah, it was a little uncomfortable sometimes, but it was okay. Put the windows down, drive fast enough. It was fine. When I moved to Florida in Miami, holy crap, you cannot be without air conditioning uh, there. It is just, it's oppressive everywhere. I used to have to take two shirts to work, one that I would wear in the drive to work with air conditioning. Right. And then, and then I would have to change when I got to work because it would be, it it, within the air conditioned car, it'd still be soaked in sweat. So yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the place, by the way, in in you know the the time of year where you don't want to be there. That this MLS tournament was was taking place. I mean, hot, humid, oppressive heat. Um, you know, thunderstorms every afternoon, uh, which really keeps the humidity up. Not this, not that Florida or Orlando in particular needs any help keeping the humidity up because, of course, it's a swamp. Um, so, you know, all of those things led to what I would say was a very interesting tournament as we're looking at it. It's just four teams left. Uh, August. Did you fi- see those? Have you, if you've been watching the games, you see those guys' shirts, uh, yeah. you know, like after 10 minutes? Yeah. It's just, and it's looked like they've run through uh, sprinklers. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely has, and and you're you're 100 correct. I mean, it's after 10 minutes, the sh- the shirt is soaked through, and you know, yeah, there was some warm up beforehand. There's also that like guys are just dumping entire water bottles over themselves uh, yeah. whenever that happens. So um, yeah, it's a it's an issue. Having whenever I went to Arizona, um, Arizona State, and in the dry heat there, you worry about not sweating, except if it's in October because that's when the monsoons come in and all the moisture is there. So it's it's similar to. Um, you know, some of those hot places that, that get all the humidity in August and a little bit into September. Um, Baltimore, I, St. Louis are really bad too. Oh man, I just, I, the humidity is what always does it for me. Um, so yeah, these guys playing in Florida, uh, Philadelphia and Portland have one of the semifinals and then Orlando, Minnesota is the other semifinal. Uh, a lot of teams knocked out of this, Kevin. A lot of things have happened so far in this tournament. Uh, obviously the galaxy didn't make it out of the group, but, um, you know, everybody's trying to say, you know, was this a successful tournament? You even had uh, the head coach for the Philadelphia Union, Jim Curtin, say, hey, I would love for this tournament to be this tournament every year before the season started and maybe we'd play it in Las Vegas and it would sort of be a preseason tournament with all the teams participating in it. And at first, I certainly sort of leaned on the side of everybody and I said uh, the, the side of the public sentiment, which is, you know, this was an emergency tournament put together in order to help the league sort of, you know, tread water while, while COVID-19 was uh, keeping people from showing up to stay and keeping sports from being played and, and all these other things. It was a it was an emergency stopgap measure in order to make things happen. And now the more I sit up, think about it is the more I'm like, hey, so if you had a preseason tournament, Kevin, something like this, um, maybe not as big, maybe you split it up between two places. Um, so that way you can have, you know, a sort of a smaller time frame in terms of all the games that are played, uh, much like spring training in baseball, where you have Arizona and Florida. Maybe you do the same thing similar to uh, to that for Major League Soccer, where the Western Conference goes one way or the Eastern Conference goes, or it's it's more just wherever everybody wants to go and you just make sure there's an even number of teams on each side, however you want to do it. But the more I think about it, the more I think I'm in on that because at least as a as a reporter and covering teams, it would be great to go to one place and sort of be able to have the ability to watch multiple games on multiple days. And I think for fans, um, yes, you can watch your team play, but you also could watch, you know, three or four other games in the span of two days. Uh, that's sort of the the appeal of spring training in Arizona and Florida for baseball. Uh, I, I don't I don't hate the idea for for soccer. Well, First of all, when have they ever done anything for reporters? They never will, and they never have. And so um, I, I like this tournament. Every time there's a global pandemic, I think we should have this tournament. <laughs> That's what it should I be. Think, I got it. Yeah, okay. I think that, but, you know, they, they used to have that tournament in Tucson, which was kind of a little bit like that. They had a number of fields. A number of teams went to Tucson. I think sometimes, you know, at its height, maybe you got 8 to 10 to 12 teams. So that was kind of what you're talking about. I, I do like the spring training model in baseball. It's awesome if you've never been to spring training, especially in Arizona. Arizona, where the teams are so close together, you can literally see three or four games in a day, or you can see, you know, all the teams in the span of a week. Um, so f- from that perspective, I think it would be great. I- I'm just not sure that there's enough time because 
um, you know, you need a couple of weeks to ramp up and get ready. And then, and then some teams will be going off to play in CONCACAF Champions League. Um, uh, it seemed like when they had the Tucson tournament, uh, there were a number of teams that simply didn't want to travel or spend that much time out of their market. Players didn't want to start going on the road that early. It, it, MLS is a little bit different from a lot of soccer leagues in that, um, and we'll talk about this new schedule in a minute. It'll be a little bit different this year, but because MLS travels commercial and not charter, um, a lot of times players wind up staying two or three nights, uh, you know, on the road for a road trip where they don't do that in Europe, but, you know, at the most it's a night. Um, so they're already staying away from their family during the season. I don't know if you'd have a lot of support in the players union for anything that would take them away from home for two or three weeks in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the uh, the ultimate goal, or, or, or I should say the ultimate sort of thing here is that I think it's a great idea. I don't think it can happen um, for, for a lot of the reasons that you sort of put out there. And, um, you know, we'll see if anything ever materializes. But this tournament itself has done the job of at least keeping MLS playing games. Um, it's kept some interest on the league as it's been going, although as we predicted, as other leagues like the NBA, like the NHL, have sort of ramped up uh, you know, in their protective bubbles, uh, it has shifted attention away from soccer. And it was one of the reasons that I think you know, even Garber on his conference calls and some other ways, I think it was Mark Abbott uh, as well, was also saying is you know, we would have liked to have started this tournament a little bit earlier to capture... Uh, some of that, uh, some of that lack of, of sports around. I think the NWSL did a better job of that, uh, quite honestly, and got better TV ratings. Whenever you look at, um, you know, some of well, the yeah, well, you can't, but you can't compare that because they're on an over-the-air network, CBS, and and yeah, you know, but, but you why can't can, compare that to cable ratings? But why can't you? Because MLS certainly had a chance with ESPN being a partner and ABC and ESPN Link to be putting some of these games over the air. They just didn't well, get it done. Well, that's a different question. Yeah, there, that's a different question. They could have had ratings if they'd put it on a ABC, and and I was surprised that they didn't because you would have thought that, you know, with ABC needing programming too. By the way, you mentioned the ESPN tie-in. Um, for those of you who watch SportsCenter like I do fairly religiously, um, whenever ESPN is a partner of something, they promo – they promo it to death on SportsCenter and some of their other uh, networks. Look at how much uh, coverage uh, lacrosse gets, how many times lacrosse highlights are in the top 10. Um, and then when ESPN drops something, like when they drop NASCAR, all of a sudden you don't really hear from them anymore on ESPN. I say all that because ESPN has done a pretty good job of promoting this tournament because they're heavily involved in it. And you see it on SportsCenter and you see the highlights and they mention the scores and that makes it all of a sudden relevant uh, when they don't mention the scores and, and they don't talk about the highlights, uh, you know, as they don't do with NASCAR anymore because it, it, that moved to another network, then all of a sudden it falls off, uh, you know, the face of the earth. Uh, but but back to your original point, yeah, I mean, it, it, NWSL got great ratings. It was on CBS. And one thing I learned is you really can't compare those and over there in network to a cable network. But uh, that begs the question, like you said, why wasn't uh, some of this on ABC? And and uh, would the final be on ABC now? It's, it's a Tuesday, probably not. No, no. I mean, you know, it seems like everything's being kept on ESPN, which again, which keeps things, you know, on ESPN plus in terms of replays and things like that. I mean, I, I think overall there's been some successes uh, with the tournament and it did what it was supposed to do as a stopgap measure. It worked, um, you know, having done that. I still think it's interesting, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, that MLS is still very much a tribal sort of sport in the fact that when your team isn't playing, you're not watching. 
Um, and so we oh, haven't absolutely. Yeah. So, so we haven't seen as, as the tournament has sort of ramped up, we haven't seen in the quarterfinals or the semifinals. Uh, I don't think the same passionate sort of watching that was going on through the group stage. And I, that's like that in the world cup as well, right? You, everybody watches all the world cup games, but the problem is that whenever you talk about baseball or even the world cup or, uh, you know, NHL, as you get to the playoffs, as it gets closer, the viewership usually increases and increases as it goes towards, you know, sort of that penultimate game. Um, you know, you get into the semifinals or, you know, the, the, the championship series. And, and that's an important thing to sort of watch. And everybody watches that. Even if it's not your team, there's history there. You understand it. And in major league soccer, I don't see that, um, uh, you know, after the galaxy were knocked out, obviously for, for watching reasons and for reporting reasons, I don't, I don't have to watch the games anymore. Do I turn them on every once in a while? Not really. Uh, it'll be on my phone every once in a while while, you know, somebody is watching TV or something like that. It'll be on in the background, that type of thing. But you're still seeing this this tribalism that sort of comes with if it's not my team, I'm not watching. And I, I think other f- uh, sports, especially like NFL, don't suffer from that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask the general fan, they, the general fan can name players uh, on the top baseball teams and top football teams, maybe not, you know, the starting lineup or, or maybe the teams at the bottom of the standings. They can't name a lot of players there, but they have knowledge of, oh, the Patriots are going to be good this year, uh, even though Gronkowski retired. But but try that with uh, an MLS team. I mean, once you get beyond the teams in your city and maybe your your number one rival, it really falls off. Like, what kind of formation does Minnesota United play? You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, who did Cincinnati, uh, you know, pick up in the transfer window this year? Nobody knows that. Yeah, no, it, it is different. And I think for the hardcore fans, most of which probably listen to this podcast, they're aware certainly of the good teams. They're aware of the good coaches. They're aware of the good players throughout the league. And that makes it more interesting. I think we're more likely in in terms of, you know, what you and I do and what, you know, and the fans that we probably, uh, you know, have around this podcast is that you're going to be able to watch some of those other. I'm just saying you're not going to watch it. Your excitement does doesn't ramp up as it gets closer to, you know, the MLS Cup. This is the same thing whenever it's a regular year with regular playoffs and everything else. Your excitement doesn't get to, oh my gosh, I absolutely have to watch that MLS Cup game. Um, And that's just the difference, I think, in the maturity overall of the league and how it goes. As teams have established themselves over a very long time, you know, we we talk about teams that consistently draw good ratings. Um, The LA Galaxy are one of those teams that used to consistently draw good national ratings. Uh, The Seattle Sound are a team that would consistently draw good national ratings, which is why the ESPNs, the, the FS1s, you know, the, the Univisions, whenever they would look at it, um, they would say, okay, well, we want these ga- these teams for these games because we know what the guaranteed baked-in audience is because we know that you're going to draw not just the people from LA, but around the league, everybody wants to watch sort of what the Galaxy do, whether that's because they're cheering for the Galaxy secretly or whether they're, they're cheering against the Galaxy, which is probably more likely. Um, um, you know, those types of things. And that needs to be more embedded and ingrained across Major League Soccer. Um, and I think as a whole in this tournament, what we've seen is that you're not seeing that. You're not seeing the viewership increase as the teams get whittled down. There is no excitement, I believe, for what this final you know match is going to be, whether Philadelphia beats Portland or Orlando beats Minnesota, however that is for the final I don't know that anybody really cares at this point anymore. It, it kind of feels like it's it's run its course already. If you would have told me the tournament was over already, Kevin, I probably would have believed you. 
Yeah, well, I, I, and it's, you know, the eternal argument. We're sort of stuck in this transition again where, yes, the, the casual fan, even someone who may be a little bit more than a casual fan, will turn on TV to watch Zolatana, to watch Chicharito or Robbie Keane before that, not knowing much about the galaxy even, but wanting to see these big international stars that they've heard about. Um, Seattle Sounders now arguably play, you know, some of the best soccer in the league. Do you really, are you going to give up an afternoon to watch Nicholas Ladero or Rudy Diaz? Um, even though they play a much more attractive brand of soccer? Probably not. So it's that transition. Do you want to see a big star whose name you know, or do you want to see attractive soccer? Um, and, and I think, again, we're still sort of caught in that transition period. And when you look at these four teams, solid teams, but you're right. I mean, I probably, if I had to say the, 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 the final that I would want to see, I would want to see Portland. I like the way Portland plays. I think they do have some good players, um, Diego Valeri and some others that I would like to see play. Um, I don't know much about Philadelphia. Um, I, you know, Orlando City has been, has been good, and then he has been good in this tournament, and, and they've been kind of fun to watch as the underdog. Would I give up an afternoon to watch that game? I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, of the four. Or I, I think I'd lean heavily as to Portland just to have an interest. But certainly if I had a chance to take my dog on a walk instead, I might do that. Yeah, I was going to say. It's, it's, sad. it's kind of sad, isn't it? No, I mean, it, it is what it is. I don't think it's unfair to say any of those things. Um, I don't think it's out of line to make those comparisons or say that. I mean, you know, the biggest player left in those four teams is Nani. That was it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's some good players on Philadelphia. You know, Portland has Diego Valeri. Um, you know, Minnesota is, you know, sort of a, an enigma in this. And we were talking a little bit beforehand about San Jose and how San Jose looked like they were just on fire, ready to rock and roll, and how Minnesota absolutely embarrassed them. And I don't know if that's a function of Major League Soccer, um, if that's just a function of the teams and the way they play. Minnesota apparently has San Jose's number and continues to have San Jose's number. So Adrian Heath, the, the coach there for Minnesota apparently has figured out Almeida and and that's not an issue uh, for them anymore. Um, it's just really interesting to sort of try to take these teams and understand what's still left in this tournament and whether or not any of that is ever going to be a draw. And and, and I want to make clear, that doesn't mean I'm not going to follow the tournament. I am, but I can watch, I can look at the game afterwards, look at the stats, look at the, who scored and, and sort of piece it back together without having to necessarily, necessarily give up two hours in front of the TV. Now, that's not to say I don't have an interest in other teams. I mean, the, the last MLS Cup final, Seattle and Toronto, that was compelling to me. I thought they were two really good teams, and I really wanted to see them play. And there's other games you know, that I wanted to see play. I went to the first game of the MLS's back because I thought it was an interesting matchup, Orlando and Miami. Um, you know, and no one thought that those were, were, you know, any of those teams would be in the final four and here Orlando's there. Um, so, and, and I like watching Atlanta play. So this is, I'm not just dumping on MLS altogether. I'm just saying that I'm kind of, I guess, following your argument that there are some teams that people know and want to watch and, and see play. And then there are other teams that just have games and you sort of pick up the score afterwards and it, you know, doesn't really interrupt your day to, uh, to, for you to carve out time to sit down in front of the TV and watch every minute. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, really, I've buried the lead on this entire thing, though, Kevin, because the big news that came out of MLS anthem, today. Anthem news. Yeah, is is that the MLS anthem is now available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and more. Remember, this is the award-winning uh, composer Hans Zimmer who put together the new MLS um, anthem. And uh, yeah, there you go. That was the big news today, just to tell you well, sort of where we're on in the spectrum of, of news right now. I worked out to that today. Did you? I, I, did, put, it, I put it on the on the on the uh, phone there. Took it out to the to the uh, 
uh, garage where the treadmill is, worked out with it, and then deleted it and said, look, Ma, no Hans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there it was. Effortlessly humorous, folks. That's what it is. Um, anyway, no. So it's uh, by if that's a thing that excites you, uh, it works very well in stadium. And I said that because I remember one game that remember, remember Kevin. We actually covered an LA Galaxy game at at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park this year. It seems like it was three years ago, but it was just this yeah. year. Um, and so they had the the MLS anthem come on, and it actually works very well for the anthem. Uh, Does but, it work in empty stadiums though? Because it, that might be our future. Yeah, I was going to say it certainly feels like that's how it's going. But uh, I mean, let's go on to that now, Kevin. It, it's the resumption of MLS. MLS. We've talked about it. Uh, I know you and I talked about it last Monday. I'm sure. I think Eric and I talked a little bit about it on Thursday again. But there's there's more details coming out on what MLS thinks it has planned for the remainder of uh, of this quote unquote regular season for for Major League Soccer. Well, there's been two reports. The Washington Post came out with one today, and the Athletic had one last week. I think it was. They're similar. There are some differences. Um, basically, the structure is there'll be 18 more games. Um, so it'll be a 23-game season. The, it'll be in two phases. The first phase will be uh, largely regional. That'll be the Canadian teams playing only in Canada as part of that regional thing. For the Galaxy and, and LAFC, the teams here, um, that likely means playing teams very close to them. And, and uh, you know, as we talked about before, I think that hurts the Galaxy because that would mean they're likely to play LAFC, Portland, San Jose, which is really good right now, and Seattle. That would be sort of the, the games in their pod, I would guess. I don't know that. Um, uh, and I talked to an MLS executive who said that uh, they will announce their plan, the final plan. So when you look at the, the post and the – Athletic. Remember, those. that's not final. That hasn't been signed off on by any league official. That's just what the, these people, these reporters have put together in talking to their sources. Um, the, the league officials I talked to said, don't take that as the gospel truth. There's a lot of stuff that we're still working on. We're still trying to get teams to approve. He admitted they have a ton of questions to answer, and new information comes up every day that, that makes those answers difficult to come by. We've seen the experience with Major League Baseball, what's happened there where uh, teams are trying to travel from market to market. They're outside the bubble. And I've talked to a number of epidemiologists, and they talk about once you get outside the bubble, it's impossible because you're in the bubble. You're dependent on your your coworkers and your teammates and staff members all you know, uh, pulling on the same end of the rope. If you go down to your local Costco, you see people aren't even wearing masks. So how can teams travel from market to market and feel that they're going to be protected? So... Um, we've seen Major League Baseball have to cancel a number of games. We saw the Galaxy. You know, they haven't trained since last Wednesday because 11 players on Galaxy 2 tested positive. And we'll talk about that again in a minute. But that's just to give you an example. The Galaxy weren't even trying to play a game. They weren't even leaving Dignity Health Sports Park. And yet they haven't been able to practice since last Wednesday because Galaxy 2 players tested positive. That Galaxy 2 positive test, that affected Sacramento. They weren't able to play. Um, Orange County wasn't able to play. Uh, San Diego Loyal was coming up to play a game they weren't able to play. So four teams affected by one team having positive tests. That's the kind of world that MLS is going to enter into when they get back into this regular season. So again, 18 18 regular season games broken up into two phases. There'll be a playoff tournament starting in November. 18 teams, nine from each conference. So nine teams in each conference will make the playoffs. It'll be single elimination. Uh, The MLS Cup will be in mid-December if everything goes to schedule. Um, the MLS uh, official I talked to said one of the things they want to do is there'll be all charter flights. And the idea to, you know, one thing that baseball has is teams have to go to the opposing team's market and stay there for three days. 
Um, MLS is going to set it up with this regional schedule and with charter flights so that a team like, for example, Atlanta United could fly to Philadelphia in the morning, go to a hotel, rest in the hotel, do their team preparation, go play the game at night, and then because they're not beholden to a, a commercial airline schedule, could fly home. So they would never sleep outside their own market. Um, they would be they would start the day in their home market and they would return to their home market. That still doesn't necessarily say the hotel that they spend the afternoon in is going to be clean. It doesn't say that the airport they travel through is going to be clean or the buses they take. So there are a lot of questions that haven't been answered in this yet. Um, and and what about the idea of fans? Some markets, uh, all the, all this will be uh, determined by the authorities in the local market. So, for right. example, the rules in, in, in Chicago will be different than the rules in San Jose. What is MLS going to do about that? Because I think it's unfair if, if Chicago gets to play in front of supporters and San Jose can't. Um, it, is MLS going to be okay with that? Then what do you do with you get a positive test? They have, they have a protocol now. If there's a positive test, they isolate them. Are you going to isolate a player? in a, If an Atlanta player tests positive in Philadelphia, do you isolate him in Philadelphia? Does he get to go back to Atlanta? Testing. Another thing, you know, in the bubble, they got to test back um, in a matter of hours now, maybe you can do that in L.A., but maybe you can't do that in, uh, with Sporting Kansas City or with uh, Real Salt Lake. So, you know, everyone's going to be operating under different protocols and different rules. There's a lot of things that MLS has to work through before this is going to be able to be unveiled. Um, they are, by the way, they are talking about starting the weekend of August 21st, which is a Friday. That weekend, they, expect, they hope to have a full slate of games, FC Dallas and Nashville, the two teams that had to be withdrawn from the tournament in Orlando, they will actually start playing in the middle of the month. They will play two games in Texas um, because they have three games to make up, remember. They, so they're going to make those three games up against each other. They'll play two games in Texas, and then later in the season, they'll play a game in Nashville. Uh, it's, it's all, in, you know, one of the things that seems to be advancing, um, you know, t in two good ways. Um, one is the development of a vaccine that seems to be advancing, uh, you know, nicely uh, on a lot of fronts. And the other is the, the more rapid response testing, right? We talked about this before, but you have to have testing. You have to have reliable testing and it has to be quick. Uh, and we've seen that we have not had quick testing in, in, in a lot of places in the United States, um, certainly within uh, Major League Soccer and in their bubble and the NBA within their bubble and NHL within their their bubble uh they had you know pretty fast accurate testing that was able to be turned around you know in 24 hours or less that type of thing but you are starting to see kevin now more and more tests uh the uk announced a 90 minute turnaround uh test that basically can be available in 90 minutes and i know um because i i know some people around me who have taken them um they do have some 15 to 25 minute turnaround tests as well um that are currently out there and are showing pretty good accuracy yeah, but my understanding was that at least the early uh, uh, tests that they had that were quick turnaround, a lot of those were were unreliable. And so either you were sick when you really weren't sick or you were clear and then you went out and infected yeah. other people because, yeah. in fact, you were sick. But but let me ask you a question on yeah. this because I don't know the answer. I know I know what I feel, and I don't know the answer, and I don't maybe there isn't a right answer. So we're looking at all these sports trying to come back. Um, Major League Soccer wants to play a 23-game schedule with part of it being in a tournament, part of it being a, a regular season, part of it being in in regional pods. I mean, it's really not a schedule. It's really not a playoff thing. Major League Baseball, 162-game schedule. They want to do it in 60 games. Now you got the Phillies and the, and the Marlins are going to have to play a ton of doubleheaders, which are going to be seven-inning doubleheaders. Right. They're breaking ties with the runner on second base. My point is, because of the pandemic, 
they've changed all these rules. These seasons are going to have, you know, huge neon asterisks after them. It almost it doesn't really matter. Um, is this a good idea? Because on one hand, you say, well, people want to watch sports, but this isn't really this isn't really a baseball season. It's not really a soccer season. You right. know, the EPL did finish. The Bundesliga finished. They played their regular schedule. I get it. Different size country. Those people are wearing masks. They, you know, listen to their health authorities. I'm just not sure. Should we really rush this? Should we? It, should it be damn the port- torpedoes? Let's finish this season no matter what. Or is this one of those things where we we should just sit back and say, you know what? Can't play soccer this year. People are dying. Let's just. We'll we'll catch you next year. Yeah, I, it's always. I, I don't think there's a correct answer. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I don't think this is something that you should absolutely have to do. I think that when you look at uh, what's happening in college football and the Pac-12, and if you're looking at you know different places where where players are opting out or they're banding together to basically boycott uh, you know practices and and camps and everything else that is sort of going on, you certainly understand that you know you're putting people's lives at risk with this, whether or not they're in. Ex- Excellent health or not, there are plenty of, of players uh, across Major League Soccer who have pre-existing conditions that would certainly uh, lean them in a direction that would make them more, make it more dangerous if they got you know any COVID nineteen. Now, I, I think so far we found that any of the symptoms that Major League Soccer players have gotten have been relatively um, light or mild. Um, although we're not always given a, a clear picture of that that's what we believe that to be the case. I mean. I look at USL right now and we can talk a little bit about LA Galaxy 2. Um, you know, USL put in place a schedule basically, Kevin, that said we imagine that there are going to be some positive tests. And because of that, we built into the schedule some flexibility in delaying games and and moving things around uh, i think it would once again be naive of us and I, I think we wouldn't have learned a lesson very well if we thought that this major league soccer was going to go in and that those teams would have zero tests uh, it's too easy to spread it's too quick to spread once you have it within a closed and 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 sort of circulating environment uh you look at la galaxy 2 with you know supposedly 11 and i know we have more uh information on that maybe it's not 11 but um you look at that and, and it can spread really quickly and so that seems you know, it, it's it, I don't have a good answer for you because your answer is no, of course not. We shouldn't be playing. And also, if people want to play, then then I think you kind of got to let them play at the same time. I enjoy it. I'm glad that they do. Um, and, and certainly talking to some people, and I know I brought this up before, is that don't be sad about this tournament um, because you're worried about the players necessarily. It's it's the players are risking things in order for you to enjoy the tournament. You do enjoy soccer. Uh, so if the players choose to go out there, then I think you have every right to enjoy it and you should expect it. But you're right. I mean, it means relatively nothing. And if the LA Galaxy are stuck in a Western Conference, you know, sort of uh, uh, Groundhog's Day where they're playing LAFC in San Jose, you know, six times in the last, you know, uh, 18 games that they're going to play, then, I mean, you know, what are you going to do with that? And there's certainly no no champion there's no supporter shield winner there's no um you know even an mls cup in this year is going to be you know heavily weighed down by every asterisk that ever ever was invented barry bonds could print out all the asterisks that he has uh and it would still wouldn't be enough for what uh major league soccer and major league baseball and all these leagues are sort of trying to do well, you look at the NWSL, man, what a great tournament. It was successful. Everybody loved it. You know, like you said, Bafo TV ratings. Right. Um, you know, no no one tested positive. Nobody tested positive the whole time. Twenty nine right. days it was great. Now I hear they may be returning to training camp in a couple of weeks and try to resume their season. And I'm just like, you know, in the home markets. I'm like, why? 
Why can't you, you just had a beautiful tournament? Why take a risk? And I'm kind of in the same boat with MLS. Like this tournament's went really well. No one's tested positive in more than three weeks. Tens of thousands of tests, uh, over 10,000 tests have been done. No one's been positive. Man, that's a success story. Why push it? I get Adam Silver. He's the commissioner of the NBA. I get his argument where he said, um, we have to learn to live with this virus. We have to get back to our daily lives. I get it. I understand that. But at the same token, he's also saying, imagine what's going to happen when you know there's a vaccine. Well, what is it, Adam? Are you trying to learn to live with the virus? Or are you just buying time until there's a vaccine? Um, I'm not quite sure. You know, it, it's a TV show now, and it's great, and we could watch those on TV. Um, but it's just, I, I don't know, it's just not the same thing. And I go no. back and forth. I go back and forth on it. I, I, I turn on the TV and watch sports every night, and I love it. But then when I turn the TV off and think about it, it's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Um, it's a lot to it's a lot to sort of try to balance in those two minds too. Um, you know, and if you look at the resumption of a regular season, as you pointed out, Major League Baseball is doing it, and uh, some would say it's not going well. Let's put it that way. So um, I don't know. I think wasn't there a report that some of the St. Louis Cardinals went to a casino or something like that? I think that was yeah, one the of Cardinals them. went to a casino. I heard some of the Marlins went to either a bar or restaurant, and we know about Lou Williams and the. Clippers that went to a strip club when he was out to go to a funeral, yes. a friend's funeral. So, um, you know what? These guys making millions of dollars and they can't stay out away from a strip club for one night, um, <laughs> or at least wear a mask when they go there. I just, uh, you know, what's what more incentive do they need? And and um, you know, thank God people are are not you know athletes at least. I know this virus is deadly, but uh, we haven't heard a lot about athletes dying from it. Thank God for that. Um, that you. That would have to change the equation, right? I mean, if if yeah. an athlete died, that would definitely have to change the equation. Yeah. And then I, again, I do, I do look at the European game, and and as um, you know, anyone will tell you, those countries, you know, England is the size of of California, and we're talking about the Galaxy playing San Jose and coming back. Great, you can do that in England. It's a whole different thing. But when you're trying to to uh, and everyone, most people complied with the rules over there. There it, there wasn't it wasn't a test of your political. Uh, you know, affiliation, whether or not you wore a mask, uh, you know, people weren't nuts over there like they are here. And so you could finish the Bundesliga in Syria on and La Liga. It was a different thing. Um, I just, and I watched those games and I enjoyed them. I just, I don't know. I just feel different about the games here. Well, you, you I don't know, have an answer. I'm not trying to convince anyone. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You know, you said if somebody died, it would, would it change the equation? And and part of me wants to jump up and down and go, yeah, of course it will. And then part of me is like, nah, probably wouldn't. You, you know what the question would be? I guarantee you. Was he a starter? Oh, he wasn't that good anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a he's the sixth man. I mean, it would it would it. That's how the conversation will go, and that's really really sad. But I guess back to the original point is all of these seasons have big asterisks by them. I, I suppose maybe the NBA and the NHL a little bit closer because they were at the end of their seasons. But you can't say whichever team wins baseball this season uh, wins the World Series if they have it. Um, after a 60-game season uh, with games decided in the seventh inning or by putting runner on second base, that they're equal to the 1927 Yankees because they're simply not. And this ML, Daniel Starris was on your program and said the same thing. Whoever wins this season, no matter how it goes, people are always going to say, oh, yeah, that was 2020. That was the COVID season. Yeah. No, I, you're, you're right. Um, 
I think it's interesting because we've known that season ticket renewals have hit mailboxes and sort of emails have been going around for the last week uh, for LA Galaxy season ticket members. Um, And there seems to be at least this week on Monday, as we're recording, at least a concerted effort to reach out to people who do have tickets that are up for renewal and sort of to to inform them of how it's supposed to go. Um, You know, sort of the long and the short of that right now is, Kevin, is there doesn't seem to be an increase in prices from 20 to 21 if you renew. So so if you renew your season tickets, uh, the stuff that you have can roll over um, into you know the next season. And from so far, and this is anecdotal evidence only, um, is it doesn't seem that there was a price increase and that all the prices are sort of holding steady. But the, the LA Galaxy do have a timeline on the renewal. And it's not very long, Kevin. And it's not it might not even be long enough to sort of understand whether or not, you know, there's even going to be a regular season this year. Um, And it's sort of this whole thing that's going about. It's like, okay, you're asking people to make decisions right now about something that you honestly have no clue about. Um, And so, you know, as you're looking at this, yeah, you know, there was, there was always going to be a certain amount of people who are just going to renew. Right. And, and I feel like that's who the LA galaxy are sort of trying to flush out right now is who are the people who are just going to renew and we don't have to sort of focus on. Um, And then after that, after there's a, you know, I would suggest a higher than, than usual sort of turnover rate, uh, certainly owing to people's financial, um, you know, positions, during a global pandemic and, um, you know, a, a depression slash, uh, you know, downturn in the economy, um, then they're going to be able to go out and sort of figure out where they're sort of, I, I feel like they're testing the water with this first email and, and sort of how things are, are going out to, to do that. I, I think the other yeah. thing I, I was going to say, the other part about this is, and I don't, this is, listen, it's, it's very carefully being done. And so I don't think it's reckless in any ways, but obviously nobody knows whether or not fans will be able to be back in the stadium in 2020. But, you know, they're sort of hinting that if there are fans back in the stadium in 2020, obviously season ticket members are going to get first priority. If it's a limited number of fans, if the, you know, the governor of California is going to allow it, if there's some massive turnaround in California, which I'm not predicting right now in 2020, that would allow that to happen. They're certainly pushing that, you know, season ticket members, of course, would have priority over anybody else. So um, I think that's interesting. Well, I think that's your best argument, that last one, because what do we know about 8,000, 9,000 season ticket holders somewhere in that area? So if they allow 33% capacity at uh, Dignity Hill Sports Park, all season ticket holders would get in and non-season ticket holders would not. Right. Um, so that's a, a, a good perk right there. I, I don't, you know, I, I sort of look at this as you do from both sides on, on the Galaxy side is, look, we got to do something. Uh, we have to pay Chicharito next year. You know, we need to get some money. We need to make plans that how are we going to uh, budget? Are we going to have any money to sign anybody? Because the world is going to move forward and international soccer is going to move forward and we need to plan for that. So I see the Galaxy's perspective, and you're right, it's probably a little bit of a trial balloon. From the fans' perspective, though, they're going to look at that schedule and say, oh, if I buy my season tickets, so that means on March 15th, um, on a Saturday, I'm going to go see the team play the Colorado Rapids. Is that right? You know, Chris Klein and the Galaxy will have to say, well, we're not really sure. We don't know where the pandemic will be. We don't know if that game will be. I mean, if they're honest, that's what they're going to have to say. They they could say, we really hope so. That's our plan. That's what we're hoping for. That's, you know, that's uh, they, what the schedule says. And then the fan would have to say, well, I'm going to hold on till my money, uh, till my money until you can tell me for sure. And they may never be able to tell you for sure. So, it's a little bit of not a reach, but a little bit of a good faith uh, thing on both sides. The galaxy is saying, look, we really hope to provide you with entertainment. And these are the games we want to provide you with. And the fans have to then 
make a concrete decision to give up their money you know, in exchange for something that may not happen. Yeah, and, and a reminder that if you were paying, you know, sort of on the monthly plans and that type of thing, uh, you have made you probably paid past what um, what has been played. Obviously, there were there was one actual regular season home game, and then you also had some preseason games, and I think that all factors in sort of sort of the price. So as you renew, sort of look at that price per game or price per seat, and see if that carries over with all of the math that has to carry over as well. It's it's a little tricky, and at first it may look like you're paying more. Um, and we have sort of run this through with a couple different people who have season tickets. It doesn't seem to be the case if you actually run the math correctly. It looks like everything's staying the same. The other part of that, though, Kevin, is certainly a sign of the times. Uh, the LA Galaxy requiring that whenever you sign a renewal for the tickets is that you're signing a whole bunch of things. Uh, a couple of those things include an assumption of risk, and they certainly talk about uh, COVID-19 and any mutation, ad- adaptation, or variation thereof. Um, so you're making an assumption of risk. There's a waiver and release, obviously, that lists all of Phil Anschutz companies, including Anschutz LA Soccer, Anschutz Southern California Sports Complex, LLC, California State University of Dominguez Hills, California State University of Dominguez Hills Foundation, Major League Soccer, LLC, Soccer United Marketing, LLC, the National Football League, or any of its member teams, including Chargers Football Company, LLC, Alpha Entertainment, LLC, and any of its members. So the list goes on and on and on and on. And by the way, it includes my favorite California resident sort of information, which is uh, that you have to specifically sign that I understand that this waiver applies to claims which I may not know or suspect to exist, and I knowingly and voluntarily waive such rights, including those under this certain civil code, um, which basically says that a general release does not extend to claims um, that the creditor or leasing party does not know or suspect. So basically, the general clause uh, clause uh, release basically says that oh, well, you've released from everything that we think we know. And then they say, but it doesn't mean things that you don't know. And then they always put in a clause that specifically writes to that clause that says, oh, yeah, and all the stuff you didn't know as well. So so, so basically it says if, if you get COVID uh, mm-hmm. at the game, you cannot sue them for that. But does it say that if the game is canceled because of COVID, do you get your money back? Yeah, yeah, I would. I would imagine that that uh, that that particular language is probably not in there. Um, so it's it's what it's just an interesting sort of way. It's the limit of li- limitation of liabilities, the waiver and release, and the assumption of risk. So as you would expect, by the way, um, this is something that was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. Everybody knew it was going to happen. So it's not surprising that it did happen. But just understand that whenever you click I accept in those terms that you normally normally don't read COVID-19 is written all through there. So that way, if you get sick, you can't blame uncle Phil. Um, that's sort of what it comes down to. So I think it's, just, it's interesting. Again, season ticket renewals are out there. I know some people are angry. That the LA Galaxy even decided to ask right now. Um, whenever they don't really know what's going to happen for this season, there's no guarantee that this season is going to continue. I think some people are still like, hey, do you guys want to give us our money back for all the games that we didn't get to go to? Um, and I think they're starting to consider that as I've seen sort of, again, anecdotally around Twitter and other social media places. So um, it's it seems to be uh, headed in that direction for the LA Galaxy where uh, they're putting season ticket renewals out and they're going to be working very hard to try to get those numbers up as high as they possibly can. And certainly I think if a vaccine comes around and, and like I said, it seems like there's a, at least some positive feelings that a vaccine could be available even before the end of the year, which would be a, a, a really quick turnaround on stuff. Um, but actually No, that's no, I, I don't want to be part of one of those people. <laughs> all right. Um, that's not, I've just been drinking Lysol and bleach so far. Yeah. Yes, I, I understand. Um, but no, if you, 
if you look at that, um, you know, there's a good chance that next season could very well be played, you know, absolutely in a normal setting. Um, we'll see if that ends up being the case. I have a feeling it's never going to be as normal as it ever was, um, at least not for the for the next, you know, five to ten years is sort of my well, can, experience. Can, can, can I try to put, I mean, this has been kind of a downer show, at least from my perspective. I've been I've been really pessimistic throughout this whole show, right? So I'll try to give you a silver lining, perhaps. One of the doctors that I talked to when I was in Orlando doing some of that COVID reporting said, you know, everyone is talking about how dire the situation is now and how, how much this is an imposition on their normal life and all those things. And it is, and there's no way to get around that. But then he made the point of, remember how after 9-11, how everything was the end of the world? Oh, I got to take my shoes off now. I have to go through this metal detector. Now you just factor it in. It just becomes part of your trip to the airport. And no one, it, yes, it's still a hassle, but no one really loses their mind over it anymore. It just becomes sort of part of the routine. And maybe some of the stuff that we take out of this is going to be, become part of their team. Maybe you, maybe you're going to like actually, you know, uh, putting uh, the gel on your hands all the time and 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 washing your hands and disinfecting. And he said, as far as the thing with masks, he said, anyone who's traveled, you go to China and and Japan and and Korea or India, you know, everyone wears masks there, and and you you know people just get on with their daily lives. Yeah, it's going to take a transition for us to do that. But all those people seem to be able to handle it. So, yeah, there are going to be some changes in our lives. But I don't know that we have to look at it and say the way our, our lifestyle is now over. It's not. It's just it's just changing a little bit. And and the, the whole mask thing is you see now people with galaxy masks or their favorite college or, you know, my wife loves dogs. So she has masks with dogs. It's almost becomes like, you know, another way to show your personality. Yeah, no, it certainly has, and, and certainly that creativity. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about LA Galaxy 2 and, and some of those uh, positive tests and when we expect the LA Galaxy to sort of get back? I know we've touched on it. I just want to make sure we, we cover it completely. Yeah, what the Galaxy told me this morning is that the team Galaxy, now we have to go back and forth Galaxy and Galaxy 2, that Galaxy was supposed to, the first team was supposed to train today. They um, The Galaxy 2 test came down on Wednesday after Galaxy, the first team had already left Dignity Health Sports Park. I'm told that the teams now, the USL Championship team and the first team, do not do no longer share facilities. They don't share locker rooms or work or, or workout rooms. There are players that go back and forth. There are some guys that play for both teams. You know, we saw them in Orlando, and presumably they come back and rejoin the USL Championship side. They did the USL Championship game was played. The last one was played in the main stadium where the the first team had been training. So that was a little bit of an issue. But Galaxy, the first team, they trained Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon was when they, the 11 positive tests came down. So the Galaxy did not train Thursday or Friday. They had already been given the weekend off. So that's four days away from the facility. They tested again today. They took tests last week. They tested again today uh, as a precaution, I'm told. There was no – I was not told anyone had tested positive. It was that a precaution? They will come back tomorrow. They're expected to resume training for the first time in six days uh Tuesday. Now, Galaxy 2, they had 11 players that tested positive. Um, now I'm told that at least half of those um, were either inconclusive or were false positives. In other words, a second test was taken that came back negative. So the first test was not confirmed, was not confirmed as a positive. Uh, some of those tests uh, were inconclusive, so we don't know whether the second test was a positive or negative. So we don't know that yet. Um, the Galaxy 2 are still working through that. They're not scheduled to play again until this weekend, so they have a few days. Uh, I think the biggest concern for most people probably on this podcast is how does it affect the Galaxy, the first team. 
Um, they're staying away until all this has worked out. Once they heard some of these tests were false positives, calls went out and told the players not to come to the stadium today. So they're still working through that. It may turn out, it's possible that it turns out that all of these Galaxy 2 tests turn out to be false positives, which would be the best news. Um, but you can see the disruption that this would cause, and this is the kind of thing that MLS has to consider going forward. Uh, you know, we've now had three games canceled and four teams affected, uh, and it may turn out that the problem was the test and not uh, an infection. Um, so um, you can see, you know, everyone's kind of feeling their way with this still, even though that we're this far into this pandemic. Well, one of the things that hasn't slowed down certainly has ratcheted up in uh, in the limited amount of time that we've had since the LA Galaxy have uh, been eliminated from the tournament is the rumors. And with the transfer window opening up after the uh, the final game, so the final game of the tournament is August 11th, um, and then the transfer window for Major League Soccer will open up and be on for, a I think, over 30 days. Um, so it's August 12th is whenever it opens up. So certainly everybody is paying attention to it, uh, and they understand that uh, that there could be some movement in here. So the latest rumor uh, that is surrounded the involve a guy from Argentina. I was going to say, if you guess the guy from Argentina, congratulations, you win. Um, this is AS Roma midfielder Javier Pastore, um, and he's a 31-year-old Argentine. He's a central attacking midfielder. Can also play some of the wing, mostly as a central attacking midfielder. Uh, playing for AS Roma, he has played for PSG before. Certainly was a great player there. Uh, however, it's working. It, it apparently isn't working out. Uh, for him in Roma, and he's expected to depart uh, there. Now, how, having said that, uh, it doesn't mean his contract is up. And as a matter of fact, Roma is shopping him out there and apparently wants a transfer fee of more than $10 million. So if we're just going on the basic terms of can the LA Galaxy put this player on the field with them right now, it would seem it would probably be unlikely um, just because the amount of money um, and that amount of money would probably indicate that he's a designated player. And with Christian Pavone playing in uh, playing at least until December, it seems um, with that being done, it seems unlikely uh, that the LA Galaxy would have an open DP slot for Pastore to come in. And with a history of injuries, Kevin, I'm not sure it would be the greatest idea as well, but Guillermo Barrescoloto has acknowledged that he has followed the player, uh, does know what a great player he is, um, but obviously uh, indicated that there are some difficulties with the three DPs and and all that. But, um, you know, a central attacking midfielder, it's something different than what we've sort of been talking about with defense and with uh, Alan Franco. And by the way, that deal seems like, um, at, you know, as far as we know, which again uh, is more difficult than it was certainly before the pandemic. But as far as we know, that's still a possibility that Alan Franco comes in for the LA Galaxy as well when the transfer window opens. Um, but having said all that, this is a central attacking midfielder, a place I think the LA Galaxy need badly. Uh, this also could move somebody like Sebastian Lejet out to the midfield or out to the right wing. Um, or you can move Araujo up to the right wing. You could do a lot of things that would sort of move some guys around in order to put uh, Pastore uh, where wherever he would like to be in the center of the uh, the midfield there. Uh, another piece of Galaxy news from outside Southern California, Betty Philharber's podcast has turned into a place where a lot of MLS people go to sort of dump a bunch of dirty laundry. Um, and it's become a very pr- provocative show and a must uh, a must listen show. And I'm, I'm I'm not bagging on Benny. You know he's a great guy and he's you know being super successful with his first podcast. So it's it's going great guns for him. But there were some players apparently at least one player that p- was in the MLS's back tournament that came on the pod this week and talked about how in his opinion Galaxy players um, weren't trying. Some players weren't trying 
in the tournament. And it's the second person that I've heard say, a player that uh, heard say that either they, they, they thought the Galaxy quit or weren't trying. And it's interesting uh, for a number of reasons, because when when was the Galaxy, I mean, you know, this is the elite club in, in MLS and has been for 25 years. When have you heard stories about the Galaxy players either quitting or not trying? That's one side to it. The other side is we heard uh, Guillermo say on a number of times, uh, at least three times that I counted, at uh, pre- and post-game press conferences in Orlando saying that the team did not play uh, 90 minutes, that they stopped after 60 minutes, they stopped after 70 minutes. This is the coach calling his own, saying uh, that his own players had quit. And I was very uh, critical of him for doing that. I just don't, uh, you know, that should be a coach to say that in the locker room behind closed doors and not to the media. Um, but now uh, it appears as if other people have noticed the same thing Guillermo noticed. And, and uh, uh, it, 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 it as someone told me when they uh, were talking about this earlier, that's a, a much bigger problem and probably not one that Chicharito and uh, Jonathan Dos Santos can solve simply by getting healthy. That this was supposed to be, remember uh, Sasha, Sasha Kleshton was brought in to fix this locker room after uh, it sort of fell apart under Zlatan. And this was supposed to be, uh, you know, a lot of camaraderie. And that's one reason they got rid of Katai and, if now you, if we find out that people in the locker room are already quitting on the team, um, that's not a good way to, to uh, go into the second phase of the season. Yeah, but are they quitting on the team or quitting on the coach? Because I think those are two different things as well. Um, and certainly the, the, the criticism so far has not been as much on the team as it has been on Guillermo Barrasch-Gloto and certainly his lack of in-game adjustments, his lack of subs. We've talked about he used the least amount of subs to the group stage than, than any other team in, uh, in the Major League Soccer tournament. Uh, and another, another possibility, too, not to cut you off, but yeah. I do that all the time, but another possibility is they quit on the tournament. And I had heard this from... Uh, I'd heard this from a number of players quietly behind the scenes that there were a number of teams that wanted to go to this tournament and wanted to play. And you, and you see that you see with your Orlando's and the Minnesota's these teams playing sort of above uh, punching above their weight, playing so much better than you would expect them to play under normal circumstances. These are the guys that were fired up and wanted to be there. And they were hundred percent focused on football and they're not worried about the pandemic or the quarantine or, or any of that kind of stuff. They just want to play football. And then I was told by a number of players that there were rumors about or whispers about guys. I just don't want to go. I don't want to be away from my family. Let's just play our three and get out of here and go back home. Um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily what the, uh, anyone on the Galaxy was thinking. I'm just saying when you talk about did they quit on Guillermo, did they quit on the team, it may have been they quit on the tournament. Like, right. let's just play our games and go home. Certainly something happened there because the Galaxy team we saw in Orlando – uh, was not uh, they, I know the Galaxy did not start the season well, but that was really a shadow of the team that we saw at the beginning of the season, which wasn't good to start with. But this uh, performance in Orlando was kind of borderline pathetic, wasn't it? Yeah, I think for the most part. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that there were any redeeming qualities, and I, I don't think any of the players made themselves look uh, particularly well outside of Cameron Dunbar, who showed up in the first game, and then Guillermo never put him on the field again. Um, so, you know, besides that, I, I don't think anybody draped themselves in glory. I think it exposed a lot of problems for the LA galaxy. And part of me would be, uh, would, would, would not be able to understand a professional athlete who can't get up for some of those games. Uh, certainly in the conditions that are going on, I, I think I have a little more, uh, empathy for that so I could look at it. But anyway, it, it's, it's an interesting place to be, uh, with fans and 
players and uh, I think people around the league sort of asking where the LA Galaxy are in this plan. Um, you know, where where are they in the quote unquote process as, as Sebastian Legette tweeted out or, or put out on social media is about trust the process. Um, where is this process? What is what is said process look like? What are the what are what what steps have already been taken to accomplish this process? There just seems to be a lot of unanswered questions, uh, a lot of unrest uh, within the fan groups uh, themselves. Looking at this LA Galaxy team, who for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, didn't didn't really show up to this tournament. So maybe you're right. Maybe they quit on the tournament before they even showed up. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, but ultimately, right now with season ticket renewals out there, the LA Galaxy are trying to convince everybody that they have a plan going forward and I would love for somebody uh, within the organization to explain what that plan is because from everything Guillermo said after games Kevin it was you know there's a time to go fast and a time to go slow right now it's a time to go slow that does not to me say oh we're going to fix all the problems in this transfer window uh, well, that- and, and, and and some other things too is is I know uh, Ben Olsen at DC United has already talked about this they're back home getting ready for the restart of the season later in August and he's talked about this feels like the third preseason and the Galaxy have the same situation. They got off to a bad start, played two poor games at the beginning of the season, really wanted to redeem themselves from uh, what I've heard from players. Had to wait four months to get a chance to save face. They go to Orlando. They do not play well at all. So that idea of trying to redeem themselves didn't work out. They looked horrible. Now they got another month. You know, their last game was July 23rd. By uh, the best estimates, they wouldn't start again until August 21st. So another month where they have to live with their performance in Orlando and 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 try to convince themselves and their fans that that wasn't a true representation of what they are. Now, once again, for the third time this season, it's up to them to get on the field and show us what they're really made of. And they have a month to sort of think through how they're going to do that. That makes it really difficult. Just the whole starting and stopping thing is tough, but the mental process of sitting there and having to think about it for a month um, it, that becomes difficult, and you begin to. Que- I think some guys begin to question themselves: Am I better than I thought I was? Is this the real me? This this guy that just went out and sucked so bad in Orlando is that is that what I've come to now? They want a chance to redeem themselves. Yeah, it's going to be a, a again. I don't think the time off helps them at all. I don't think just training and working on training helps them. I think it's games. Uh, it's about having all their players too. I just, that didn't help. Uh, no, Jonathan Dos Santos. No, Javier uh, Chicharito Hernandez outside the first game. So, uh, looking at all that, the LA Galaxy have a lot of work to do. Um, and of course, we will uh, be here to keep you updated on all that. Whenever the schedule finally drops, we'll be able to tell you when the LA Galaxy will be back in action, and we'll keep our eyes on some of those transfer rumors. Kevin, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here today? Oh, there's a lot we can talk about, but we should probably end it here before we get in trouble. That sounds like a good plan to me. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11 and head over to latimes.com for all Kevin's coverage of soccer in Southern California and around the United States, sometimes even around the world. So head on over to latimes.com at kbaxter11 for uh, for all of Kevin's wonderful stuff there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can find all of our articles and all of our podcasts right there. Subscribe, like, uh, write, review, do all those things on your favorite podcasting app, uh, and then tell your friends about it. That's all we can ask you to do. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. 
We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>